0: Ah, bonjour, Jacob. Bienvenue à Paris, la plus belle ville du la monde. Comment ça va?
1: Très bien. Thank you, Anthony.
0: Ah, well, uh, voilà, listeners, we are... Oh, oui, c'est quoi? Ah! Fire! Explosions! Things going badly. Hello. Welcome to the Morality of Everyday Things. Or uh, indeed, bonjour. <laughs> or indeed, bonjour. Today, we're going to be talking about in case the intro didn't make it obvious, the chaos that is currently happening in
1: Paris around the strikes. The pension reform strikes of 2023, were they a necessary move towards securing the long-term sustainability of the pension system or a callous decision that's left workers struggling to retire? So today we'll be uh, considering the opinions of experts on both sides as we attempt to uncover the truth
0: behind one of France's most controversial and disruptive periods of civil unrest in recent years. And by experts, you
1: mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean us. <laughs> this is just a classic hot take episode. Exactly. Well, that. one of the new format hot take episodes, exactly. actually. Not really classic. classic. I love as well. It's so funny. France, one of its most disruptive
0: periods of civil unrest. They've set the bar pretty high.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the Morality of Everyday Things. I'm Ant. And I'm Jake. Thank you for joining us again in part of our new season. And I hope you're enjoying it. Thank you also for all the feedback that you've left us. We Mm. we do really appreciate it. And I remember recently we left a request for more reviews on Apple. And it's been great to see stars and written written reviews coming through. through. Thank
0: you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. And also, oh, si, uh, si vous voulez un, peu, un petit peu plus de français, nous pouvons, um, I keep thinking in, in Spanish now when I try I know. French. It's tricky, uh, nous, some... nous, nous pouvons. How do you say to do in French? Jeez. Fair. Ah. <laughs> I was going to say hacer. Uh, <laughs> nous pouvons faire une version française pour uh, toute l'audience de, de Paris. Si vous voulez. <laughs> Voulez-vous? Uh-huh. So, guys, that's uh, you know a little bit about us, but yeah, thank you so much for people leaving the Apple reviews. Do leave Spotify reviews as well. The stars make Mm. it very special. And of course, most importantly, if you find this interesting, share it with a friend. Let's talk
1: about what is, first of all, caused these strikes. Indeed. So I'll give you a bit of background context here. I'm sure anyone who's followed the news kind of roughly has the timeline. But just for clarity, we'll set the scene and then we'll debate what's going on. So the French government proposed changes to the pension system in 2022 to address concerns about its long term financial sustainability. Basically, with an aging population and more people taking out of the system than contributing to it. They're experiencing what's been seen around the world as a sort of classic pension time bomb. They've proposed some reforms aimed to make it more financially viable. Mm -hmm. The big headline one was they've raised the retirement age from 62 to 64. Which Um, really
0: sounds, I mean, if you think about old people that you know in your life now, considering the, I mean, okay, little context, retirement ages were first brought in around life expectancy. mm -hmm. Granted, that's not exactly fair because old life expectancies were more reflective of younger mortalities. Once you reach 60, your life expectancy was still around 70, 80, something like that. But Mm. the point is like, yeah, it was much, much older, relatively, you know, 62, 64,
1: modern day, not very old, right? My dad's 63. He's totally able. And I think a lot of people actually, and I don't know if this is biased by the people we know, but there's a lot of people who are sort of, they say, oh, I I never really want to retire. You know, you always want that sense of, Uh, I think that's knowledge work, isn't it? Yeah. It's knowledge work rather than practical work. Exactly. And they've also, the other couple of changes just worth flagging is they've introduced a points-based system for calculating pensions and they've changed the number of years required to Mm. like the number of years of contributions you have to make in order to draw a full pension. So there's more detail to it than the retirement age, but that was obviously the headline.
0: The the headline is they were increasing the retirement age. They were going to try and reduce the retirement. Uh, I believe, if I recall, France was the third highest paying as a percentage of GDP in terms of pensions. Wow. Uh, It was something in
1: the double digits
0: of their GDP. I can double check that quickly.
1: Yeah, go go for it.
0: So pensions made up about 13% of their GDP, Mm -hmm. compared to 10% in the EU on average, 9.6% uh, and I, I believe the two countries, <laughs> this is no surprise, but the two countries with higher pensions, I believe, were Italy and Greece, <laughs> uh, which actually uh, still really surprises me when you consider Greece's austerity measures. True. But I guess it's more a measure of their lower GDP that like such a high percentage goes to old people. And also that so many young people leave Greece. Yeah, they have so think, sort of
1: knowledge drain yeah, thing, don't
0: they? Let's just talk quickly then about pensions and why this is a problem, right? So it goes without saying that if you're spending 13% of GDP, that's a very significant thing. Anything you can do to save money there is a, is a... Important. You know, in the UK, for example, I believe we've said that ours is going to get to 67 by 2030 something. We've agreed this already mm-hmm. internally. You mentioned the term pension time bomb. Can you explain a little bit about that and yeah. whatever relevant population demographics help people understand what that term means?
1: Yeah, it means. A- <laughs> <laughs> I meant mean. mean. Yeah, the pension time bomb is a phrase that is basically talking about this gap that is opening up with people are growing older, more people are requiring pensions. But the number of people sort of working age going through the system has stayed the same or indeed decreased because we've got slightly declining populations. Mm-hmm. So there's actually less money going in to fund more people who need to take money out. And, and the reason it's called a time bomb is that it's visibly observable that this is a trend and it's a yep. problem and people can just sort of see it ticking down to eventually it's going to run out. And I, obviously, I'm gonna, we don't I, want it to run out. Yeah,
0: but I, I'm going to explain this in a, in a slightly different way. So, one thing that you might sometimes see is you see this interesting graph where it's like vertical axis. Mm. and the top is like 100 and the bottom is 0 mm-hmm. and that means age in years
1: right graphs are uh, uh, <laughs> very hard to describe well but, graphs are a tricky method to use on an audio <laughs> this it's form it's of entertainment <laughs> but
0: the point is that you get this you get this kind of column and the the width of the column at each of those 100 rungs shows how many people are yeah. in that age group now the point that it's making is
1: it's getting fatter at the top and thinner at the bottom. Yes, yeah. that's
0: exactly what it like. so yeah, so yeah. ideally you want it to be relatively smooth and you want it to be like a candle, relatively smooth all the way up and then gets thinner at the top just because people die at random ages.
1: Burns. Yeah, they burn exactly. <laughs> they they enter
0: the flame. But what actually happens is for a number of reasons, uh, this is another time bomb that's waiting to happen is in China, Mm. where obviously they had the one child policy, which one messed up the population dynamics in two ways, both in numbers, but then also the gender balance, Mm -hmm. which then further messes up the procreation rates. Mm. With falling fertility rates, we're starting to see that there's this kind of fattening in the middle Mm -hmm. right, of people. Right. And we're getting fewer and fewer young people. The problem is we need young people to support the old people. As I recall, I think when pension ages were first or pensions were first released in the UK, it was something like there was one pensioner supported by every 20 working people. Something do you, mean, like do you mean
1: retirement ages or do you mean do you mean actually pensions? Pensions, you I mean, mean pension, pension,
0: yeah. pensioners, right? Yeah. I think it was something like something plus 10. There was more than 10 working people for every pensioner. But now in the UK, sorry, I can't recall, recall if this is a factor in the near future. Mm-hmm. The point is it decreased to something like a few per pensioner and soon it would be two people, two working people per pensioner.
1: Jesus. Which, well, I when, suppose when, in when the time of economic context, history, right, it's, it's all quite novel, like you're saying, because it was, you know, yeah. pensions didn't need to exist in a time where people probably well, died before they finished working. Exactly. Yeah. Pensions didn't exist 100 years ago, mm-hmm. 100 plus years ago in most places at least the state pensions,
0: it fell on individuals to take care of themselves. Uh, So this has created a massive problem where this thickening of that stack we're talking Mm -hmm. about as they get up and cross the line where they can claim money, you know, what happens when we have two pensioners for every working person, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some governments are looking ahead at that and, you know, saying, okay, this is an issue, so we're going to have to change who qualifies for pensions. The problem is obviously it's incredibly unpopular. It's also one of those ones where like, because there's going to be a cutoff point, mm. it's incredibly unfair on people who just missed the cutoff. Yeah,
1: who are at that point. <laughs> yep. For sure. There's a number of ways you could just quickly to wrap up the pension, but that was not wrapping up because that's going to be the theme of the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. But for that context on how you can deal with the pension time, bomb the french government has more or less done all these things you can basically put the burden on people and workers and encourage them to save more they are doing that but it's you know anyone who's over the age of 40 it's Mm. already too late yeah yeah. And then in terms of the uh, the kind of default effect of what you control as a government, the only other tools you really have are increase the retirement age, expand the pool of contributors, decrease um, the pension, decrease the pension. It all just comes down to variations on sort of reform. But you basically want more people paying in and fewer people taking out. And, and it's kind of balancing the books in a way that is ultimately, as you say, mm. it's at a point where people are going to be unhappy. Yeah. The French are just particularly unhappy. Yeah. Um, so,
0: so obviously one thing that, you know, particularly American listeners might not be familiar with is that France has a, a very strong cultural norm of striking very strong uh, trade unions. And I think part of the reason that we found this interesting as a hot take episode was just the follow-on from our previous discussion on on strikes and trade unions because mm. generally, as we said, very pro-workers' rights. And I think, like, yeah, the, the kind of sentence summary of my position on UK strikes is that I am in favour... Well, it's a two-sentence or a short paragraph. Uh, <laughs> it's always a short paragraph. A short, which becomes a long <laughs> one. Uh, like, I am in favour... I'm in favour of the requests. Yeah. I'm against the method and the timing. Mm-hmm. But the resorting to strikes is more of a failing of government both to deal with it through the existing methods, but then also to create adequate further methods or changes in the methods to avoid the need for strikes. The requests that most people are making are pretty reasonable. That's my one thing. But then the other thing that we discussed was like, it was kind of more philosophical vacuum, like, oh, what happens if trade unions take it too far? Mm. I think for most of us looking at France, actually, that's the thing we're thinking about, right? I
1: think we're entering that phase. Yeah.
0: Again, hot take. And, you know, maybe there's some more statistical reading and stuff I need to do. But in the modern day, I don't feel like 64 is a ridiculous age for people to retire. Like, you you, Mm -hmm. you should still be quite able. At that age, I acknowledge there's definitely some fields where that's you know not appropriate, and some people, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it depends on how much you deteriorate with your age. It depends on your issues. But as a general rule, with some like measures or checks in case, I don't think it's unreasonable that a normal able-bodied 60-something-year-old still works, especially in the context of like, well, look, like you know, I know that this is individually unfair, and times are tough and stuff. But we also have to be real. Like there are more and more and more pensioners, and fewer and fewer people to support them. Mm -hmm. So something has to give, it becomes a contextual moral analysis as opposed to like an absolutist one. It's less of like, it's my right to retire at this age with a pension, less of that and more of in the context of the system as a whole, in the context of what we have. This is what makes sense. Mm. right to give an analogy right if you're i don't know you're a subsistence farming family right mm-hmm. and you have a good year and you're all like okay great like everyone can eat what they need right mm. and th- th- everyone can be like this is the minimum that i need right and then the next year you have a bad yield on your crop or whatever right and say i don't know you're sharing as a village right people in the village don't say well that's not acceptable that's uh, less than my share it's like but there's not enough to go around i'm sorry that it doesn't match what you think you deserve, I probably agree. But it just isn't there. Granted, that's not exactly true in this context, because they can spend more of their GDP. But you know, ultimately, it becomes a midterm question of like, well, are we stopping our growth as a country, which ultimately is going to make it even harder to pay these pensions? And are they just taking a midterm viewpoint that like, if we're 13% now, what's it going to be in a decade? What's it going to be in 20 years, right? So we need to start getting people to be honest with you, this is a small step in a direction that we're going to have to see much, much more of. Did you, I, yeah. did you hear about the American? American There was a, an American billionaire investor. Did you hear about his proposal? No. Who was it? I can't remember his name, but their proposal, you might, you've probably heard of this, was like a birth annuity, I think, or a birth uh, bonus or whatever you want to call it. And basically the idea was that... That's encouraging more people to have kids. So- well, no, no, no. The idea was that every person born mm-hmm. immediately has like $10,000 put in an ETF for mm-hmm. that person. And the idea is that by the time that they reach whatever age, that should be their pension pot and there shouldn't be further support needed.
1: The, the magic of compound interest. <laughs> yeah, the magic
0: of compound interest. The only problem is obviously that would immediately distort the stock market and also, like you have to stump up 10,000 for every baby born from mm. then on. Like it, It's not reasonable, but it's an interesting thought experiment of a way to deal with it. Yeah,
1: well, um, I guess it gives you a head start on your pension because most people don't start mm. contributing until their working age. And when they do start, they're on lower income. So they're not exactly. contributing very much. So at least yeah. it gives you that initial head start. Yep, There's some logic to that. Yep. So one thing
0: that we do see now, one method, you mentioned private pensions. We see more and more legislation forcing employers to cover more, forcing or encouraging people to contribute more. So that's definitely one way to alleviate it. Jake, what are some other... We'll talk through some specifics and outlines of the French strikes, but what are some other ways that we might be able to resolve this sort of issue?
1: Well, the pension time bomb in general, like we're saying, I mean they've kind of used all the methods at their disposal. They're expanding the pool. They've got this point system and they're encouraging all sorts of alternatives. So I think in general, they've ticked all the boxes. And just to give my sort of sentence hot take, I think it's an absolutely necessary reform and it has to happen. And I can see why people are upset about it, but I think... It's in the public interest. It, it is ultimately in the in the mid to long-term public interest. I think the fact that the strikes are going on and causing so much disruption is actually I think a it, bit it, of a mistake. It's so funny when 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 we do see these kind of things where it becomes like them and us, mm.
0: right? And this kind of misunderstanding... Like- becomes so And and people kind of sometimes misunderstand the fact that like, I don't want to be like trusting too much in the government, but like, more or less, they are trying to do what's right, right? They are trying to do what's in it. Like, this is, I think, a good example of as a third party who's not invested in the French system, this kind of seems like a common sense economic decision. If anything, their retirement age is pretty ridiculously low. Mm. As far as like, well developed economies go, they spend a lot on pensioners, who, in reality, are, are not particularly economically productive. Personal opinion, this is far too personal and specific to sway uh, national policy. But I actually also think that generally, again, specific to knowledge work Mm. and specific to individual people's physical state and stuff but generally if you are able i actually think staying in work is most studies or quite a few meaningful studies have shown is good for your mental health Mm. like doing nothing actually really starts to physically and mentally deteriorate you pretty quickly Mm -hmm. so just from a personal perspective i'm not saying you should be working full-time i'm not saying you should do labor but generally you should be trying to keep
1: doing something there is work available that doesn't require you know physical effort and exertion you have all sorts of like Mm Hospitality, customer service level jobs, or knowledge work, or things that really require less physical exertion and done on a part time basis could provide meaningful structure. I don't know if that's us just kind of like pushing our view that mm-hmm. we like work.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I no, no, no. I think empirically it's true. Like, yeah, having something to get up for, having things to do, like it's good for your
1: cognitive help, Indeed. Uh, health. Sorry. And you guys will have heard us talk about that on previous episodes about work and meaning and stuff. The one thing that surprised me with this French story in particular is, as you say, the raising of the retirement age, it doesn't seem so alarming. You know, no, I think it's from it's 62 to 70 it's like well that's a bit of an extreme jump I yeah. can see why people are upset but it's it's 64, 64 is still 64. and 64 that's less is, than what we have exactly 64 is still less than most other
0: countries yeah not to mention like they're agreeing this now there's not going to be the political willpower especially with these strikes for anyone to touch it for another decade mm-hmm. whereas most other countries in a decade's time it's going to be closer to
1: 70 yeah it is a bit bonkers let me give you a quick timeline of things uh, just it, to wrap up the context and here's including my qu- the future that ChatGPT predicts <laughs> yeah this is funny uh, we'll do a quick ad break after this and then we'll wrap up the argument we ran through ChatGPT. Here's a quick ChatGPT life hack that we just learned. If you feed ChatGPT articles, so for example, we ran through some articles about French pension reform in 2023, because obviously at the moment ChatGPT's limitation is it doesn't do stuff before 2021. But we fed it information after, from after. Our, after, sorry, thank you. We fed it information from after that time about the French strikes, and then started asking it questions, and it was able to reply based on that information, which was pretty cool. So we said to it, basically, give us the timeline of the key events during the 2023 French pension reform strikes. And this is what it said: It said June 2022. French government announces plans to reform the country's pension system, including raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. Then in September, you've got labor unions organizing protests and strikes in response. In January, the strikes intensify with transportation workers and other essential service providers joining in. February, they cause widespread disruption throughout the country, including the cancellation of many train and bus services. March, the government and labor unions engage in negotiations, but talks break down when the government refuses to back down on its proposed reforms. Now we're recording this in April. Mm -hmm. So April, it says the strikes continue with some protesters resorting to violence and vandalism. And I mean, these are the things that have been making the news you've got tourists going to France and it's like overflowing with rubbish because bins haven't been collected. Oh, they've been,
0: the ver- they've been the very funny videos of people just chilling in restaurants and there's like fires in the background. Yeah,
1: so there's, there's all this stuff. And then it gets creepy because ChatGPT continues and we're like, what? And it says, June 2023, the government passes the pension reform bill despite opposition from labor unions and widespread protests. July 2023, the strikes begin to wind down with transportation services gradually returning to normal. In August, the government announces plans to increase spending on social program and to provide financial support for workers affected by the pension reforms. And in October, the French parliament finally approves. The final version of the pension reform bill and it becomes law. And we're like, what does it know? <laughs> how has
0: it got the all true, this- clearly? I would yeah. like to keep note of this and see how true it becomes in the future.
1: Yeah, so that was creepy. But there you go. Here's a timeline of what's happened in France. We'll go to a quick ad break now and then we'll come back with the arguments. Do do do. Welcome back, everybody. In this section, we're going to just quickly run through the arguments in favour of the strikes and against the strikes. We've kind of Um, informally done a lot of that anyway. So, in defence of the strikers, you've got this. Workers and labour unions have argued that the proposed pension reforms will make it harder for people to retire comfortably. And also, big one it's going to disproportionately affect low income and working class individuals. And we kind of alluded to this, but didn't say it specifically, but Mm -hmm. that's one of the fears is that we were saying if your work involves physical exertion and stuff like that, that's the kind of job where you're going to be disproportionately hit. So the idea that there might be some sort of inequality here, that's a fairly big emotional motive for the striking. One question I have about this, and it's true of so much
0: policy in general, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Have people really assessed the policy closely? Are we missing information or are people generally just latching onto like, ah, pensions are changing and rising, right? Which one is true there? I mean, this is a hot
1: take episode, so I wouldn't say we, we don't necessarily have all the facts and all the Oh, no, no. I, no, I mean, sorry, I'm
0: talking ta- people discussing it. The thing is, even the people discussing, even journalists writing about it, how many of them have carefully read the policy proposal, right? Mm. Like, do we know for a fact that the proposals will cut out or hurt working class people? What if you raise the pension age? And this might not be the case. What if you raise the pension age, but cut it to support? the worse off more. Well, this is the thing. I mean, even ChatGPT thinks this is going to happen in August where it says. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, sorry. And and also one other thing. You have to think about incentives as well, right? Mm. So like people who are near the edges of these things, are you going to encourage them to not save in private pensions or to waste money or whatever else so that they qualify for a better pension? Why would right. you do that anyway? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you won't work say you're near the oh, edge. You're saying, you know, maybe I, you won't work that little bit harder or work extra hours or whatever mm-hmm. if it tips you over into the
1: like you don't qualify for this lower income support. With the point space system yeah. thing. Are Which, you are you saying that's a perverse incentive that could occur yeah. rather than I mean, a I, design? I, I don't have a specific.
0: no, 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 yeah, perverse
1: incentive. I don't have a specific mm-hmm. method in mind. I'm just saying, is that possible? I don't know. As I suppose you say it's we haven't read it in detail, but I think there must be problems with the details beyond the the headline kind of retirement age has risen. There must be stuff that people think is unfair. And just to kind of round off those arguments, I mean, a big one was the in equal effect. There's also, as you said, the people on the margins. So people who have been paying into the pension system for years and then have to work two extra years. Those guys will suffer. In general, the whole thing really seems to be about protecting workers' rights. But I think, I mean, it says here in our notes, the whole thing is really about sending a message to the government that people are unhappy. It's a way to voice concerns, all the kind mm-hmm. of classic striking stuff. So there's, yep. there's clearly a strong emotional yep. element to this beyond the details of like, this is bad economic policy. Yeah, actually on
0: that, you know, we're talking general policy. Maybe this is something we should look at more specifically specifically, like the the policy and philosophy of this, but like, I suppose one of the things might also be like, I said earlier, like, oh, there's not enough to go around. And there is a genuine multi-decade pension Mm -hmm. time bond concern, right? But on the other hand, the empirical fact that we know is that wealth is growing. It's Mm -hmm. just accruing to smaller and smaller people. The richest person in the world is actually a Frenchman. Michel Arnault, is his name Michel? I can't remember. Bernard Arnault, Mm -hmm. owner of uh, LVMH.
1: Mm -hmm,
0: largest mm -hmm. shareholder at least uh, and his family in that context of them getting richer and richer and richer maybe that's what's really driving this sense but I mean France is actually one of the places that tried a wealth tax and drove away thousands of millionaires right Mm. so net hurt itself that's the kind of practicality of like well yes the rich are getting richer but there's only so much we can tax them before you don't get to suck on that teat anymore (laughs) <laughs> to use a metaphor, it's, it, no, I'm
1: I'm being literal.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is really hard, and you're you're setting it well in context because this is the trouble. I think this is what is causing a lot of resentment, more broadly, more politically, is that unequalized, unequalized, unequal. You know what I mean? The fact that inequitable, inequitable, post financial crisis, post COVID, and all these things, wealth is being even more unequally distributed, and that's it's a real problem. I think you're absolutely right. This is probably why people are so particularly upset about this and it's not necessarily a protest against billionaires but they're just saying this is hurting the common man yeah worse disproportionately yeah yeah so that's that's a big. i mean pensions
0: aren't a concern for the non-common man are they
1: no i suppose not
0: okay um carry on with the
1: list well those are the arguments in for why people are striking and it's it's all the obvious ones against the strikes the big one is the economic reasoning that we already discussed um but then i suppose. Getting more into the strike particular stuff, it is just that we're now seeing a lot of disruption, a lot of inconvenience to the public. It's affecting the economy in the short term, in a painful way, like yep, tourism yep, yep, and everything yep. else. People are saying the strikes are more political as a way of sort of voicing concerns about workers' rights than necessarily like practical. Practical. That seems do, to do, be yeah, the feeling. Do many people actually disagree that 64 is kind of a reasonable... Or are they just kind of taking the opportunity to... Yep take this the streets is, and vent their anger. This is an interesting one.
0: I think some people as well have specifically stated, I couldn't name specific people, but from reading the you know articles as are some people, right? That these decisions are more politically driven from trade unions. And this kind of relates to what we were saying before, like what happens in trade unions. Normally trade unions are catching up with bargaining power and we assume that they're on the right side because they tend to be the weaker part of the two. But in France, that's not necessarily the
1: case. They're right? quite powerful, aren't they?
0: Yeah. So what happens when suddenly the interest of these trade unions doesn't really align with the public interest, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could take someone like Teacher and be like well we don't have to accept that we're going to strike it starts to become a really and like we'll encourage other trade unions to strike we'll all band together as trade unions it starts to become a bit of like a oh well you end up with two we kind of
1: superpowers fighting yeah. each other with the government and the exactly union it's union Goliath and Goliath it's not David and yeah. And
0: suddenly it's like actually they're not representing the national interest both in the short term because yeah like you know nothing's happening tourists mm-hmm. can't come etc starts to be a bit of a terrible situation to live in but then also the midterm Right. Mm-hmm. Where like they're so focused on even their own short term goals, they're missing their own midterm goals. Like teachers, you're fighting for the pension age not to go up. But like, what does France look like 20 years from now when the percentage of GDP supporting pensions is 25 percent? I've made that number up, but that's not an unreasonable guess. Like, do I think the pension cost will roughly double as a proportion of the income that they have coming in? You know, I don't know, but it's, it's going to be a large increase as more and more people enter that age bracket and more and more people live longer and longer.
1: Yeah. A fear that I have in this case particularly is that I don't know how strict the reform is but I have a sense that the reform isn't even necessarily everything that's needed to actually solve this problem it's a step there and already it's met such strong opposition that it's like this is potentially a real if if I was French I'd be very scared Okay, cool. Let's wrap this episode up. But yeah, Jake, what's your overall take? As it's a hot take episode, I think it's a mistake. I yeah. think the strikes, there's justification in feeling anger and frustration, but I think the reform is a move in the right direction. It's economically necessary. I think the strikes have now gone way too far to the extent that they might even be hurting themselves in the short term, but might even be hurting themselves in the midterm and the long term. It's going to damage union power even though they think for now that they're gaining power I just I think the whole thing is a bit of a mistake and I think we need to address the pension time bomb one way or another and there's going to be some short-term pain in dealing with that but I'm sad for them. I think it's a mess.
0: I agree. I I put my view up front pretty early on. It's difficult because, yeah, I I want more people to be supported. I think basically there should be more sweeping general coverage for people who can't Mm. support themselves. And maybe this is a place where like UBI, there's more of a thought. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like generally people shouldn't. I'm very biased by my perspective that we generally shouldn't be thinking. I feel like even the concept of retirement is such capitalist capture of our culture. (laughs) There's always room for capitalist capture. (laughs) Like this idea that like we put up with crap work all our lives so that we have this period of doing nothing at the end. Mm. Rather than this idea of like, I should build a life where I'm doing things I care about. Again, like to to reiterate those studies I mentioned, like I think it's objectively bad for you to reach that age where you've Feel justified in just doing nothing. It's objectively deteriorating to your mental and physical health.
1: I may have mentioned this before, but have I spoken to you or on this podcast about the triangle of life? No. Go on. The triangle of life states oh. that you have time, health, and money, and you can only ever have two at any given time. So when you're young, you have time and you have health, but you have no money. Yeah. You're a kid, <laughs> unless you're a child of a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, when you are working age, you have money, you have your health, but you have no time because yeah. you're working all the time. Yeah. And then when you finally retire, you have money, you have time to spend it, but your health deteriorates. Yeah. And yeah. there's, I yeah. suppose, yeah. this kind of image of a golden decade of retirement where you finally get to do all the things that actually, maybe, as you say, would have been nicer to do when you were younger and healthier and, yeah. and had the sort of means to appreciate it. But this is the paradox of life. These yeah. are
0: the impossible trilemma of life. Boom. <laughs> cool, guys. We're going to wrap it there. Feel free to contact us. Again, do leave reviews.
1: It helps a ton. Share with someone you know. Let us know what you think as well, particularly with these Hot Take episodes. You know, we do our research, but they're designed to be kind of quick and brief and thoughtful. So if you know more or if we miss something, we'd love to hear from you about it.
0: Speak soon, guys. Goodbye.